Welcome to the Prairie Heights Podcast. Thanks for listening today. I hope it motivates you. I hope it builds your faith and helps you connect with Christ and a church family here at Prairie Heights. Enjoy the message. Welcome to Prairie Heights, everyone. Good to be together today. Uh, As we already mentioned, special shout out to all the women. Uh, Shout out to the moms who can do their hair, who can answer a homework question, who can give a snack, all at the same time. Way to go, way to go, moms. Uh, Special shout out, um, and I do wanna make sure to mention uh, all the women uh, who have lost a child too soon. Uh, Our story matches that story, and so the grief of that hurt and that pain is unmatched, and so want you to know that today God meets you in that. I want to also recognize women who are in waiting, who are just craving and praying and desiring to have a child in whatever way that God would bless that, and, and we're with you in that. If there's any way that any of us can pray with you, uh, the joys of being a woman um, are so great, and yet there are times in our journey where we can feel deep grief and great joy. And so today I would just want to say that God's with us, right? God's with all of us, and God's with you, no matter what your story has been um, and what it will be. And today I pray that you are filled with a whole lot of peace. And that together as a church family, that we can be filled with a whole lot of joy as we choose to stand together for the people of our community and and the way that we believe that we're going to do that for our future generations. And we get to talk about that today, and I'm so excited. And so stand is our vision of how we're gonna live out our mission over the next two years. And if you missed the last two weeks, I really wanna strongly encourage you to go back and watch the last two weeks of our stand vision. I want us all to be caught up by next Sunday, May 15th, because that's Commitment Sunday. And I wanna encourage all of us to be on the same page. Next Sunday is gonna be so special as we gather together to to commit to what God is inviting each and every one of us. and how we're gonna engage with Stan. And so whether you're here in the room or whether you're online, you're gonna be able to engage next Sunday on Commitment Sunday. And we're gonna talk a little bit more about that today. It's gonna be such a special moment and I can't wait. We have two goals for Stand. I wanna remind us of our goals. Our primary goal is 100% engagement. That yes, I am inviting, we are inviting every single person who calls Prairie Heights their church home to engage in Stand to pray and ask God how he would invite you to engage, how he might invite you to give financially towards stand so we can stand in the gap together. I wanna share a story. There's a lot of grow groups that are happening right now and grow groups are simply a group of people that meet during the week on a regular basis and they uh, look at God's word, they develop friendships and journey through life together and Uh, Right now they're talking about stand and they're talking about what God would have them do and I heard a story this last week and and it's a guy named Jason and he's been around Prairie Heights for many years and God uh, is tugging at his heart and um, when he first started coming, he put God at a distance. Wouldn't even say, had a lot of questions about God and faith and over five years at his girl group this week, he shared and he told his group, hey, I'm gonna give to stand. And this is my first time giving. And you guys, I just gotta tell you that I don't even care if they burn the money. 
I don't even care if they bury the money. This decision is between me and God. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible? And our secondary goal is $7.7 million that we will not be burning, we will not be burying. Don't worry. <laughs> Over the next two years. But I love how God is growing our faith. Jason's story isn't the only story that we're hearing. Today we're gonna see what it looks like to stand for future generations, to stand for all kids, teens, students, young adults whose time is now, who we don't wanna wait. Friends, we don't wanna wait to invest and develop the future generations and really to meet them just exactly where they're at and to come alongside them and to help them in any way that we can, to help them be fully alive. But I wanna talk, before we talk specifically about future generations, I wanna take the first half of today and I wanna talk about prioritizing our financial giving. Because just like Jason, I know many of you are processing this decision to give financially. And as we've been unpacking more of what it means to stand for the people of our community, I've been loving hearing how so many people are excited about what we're gonna get to do for our community and for the people of our community. There's this infectious energy. There's this uh, desire that's contagious and I can feel it. And I love that. I love it that we get to do this together. And I gotta tell you, that's exciting, and it will be. But if you and I go through this stand journey together, these next two years together, and we miss the opportunity to grow our hearts in generosity, if we are no more generous, if our hearts are no more closer to trusting God in the area of finances, I believe that we haven't actually met our number one goal, which is spiritual growth for each and every one of us. So I don't want us to go through this and not grow our hearts. I don't want us to look back and say, hey, we accomplished all these goals and we did all these things for all these people, yet you and I are still struggling internally and we aren't uh, growing in our generosity and in our faith in Christ and our trust with him. And here's what I believe. And this is to the core. I believe that without a heart change, here's what ends up happening to so many of us along the path of life, and I think you'll be nodding your head along with me, is that without a heart change in this area, we, we think about and we begin to dream about and we spend all this time processing and dreaming what it's gonna be like when we're 60 or 70 years old. You know, the day when the kids are out of the house. Yeah. We did it, we'll be celebrating. The day where it's like, I have all the things I've always dreamed of. Like I've got that car, I've got that house, we went on that vacation, that I have all this freedom, I don't have to spend all these hours working and, and doing the things that I had to do. And we're dreaming about that day. And yet what I believe will happen is that we often don't recognize on a day-to-day -day basis is that when we actually get there, when we actually get to that stage of life, it's not gonna be the stuff that we accumulated that brings us joy, that brings us peace, or that even brings us fulfillment. That's not gonna fill the void in our hearts and in our lives. No, it's gonna be the way that we've chosen to use what we've been given. When we get to that stage of life, it's gonna be the memories that we've made with the people that we've chosen to make memories with. It's gonna be a moment where we're gonna ask ourselves, not what can I buy next? <laughs> 
We're gonna be asking ourselves instead, have I given everything I was meant to give while I was here? And we're gonna be starting to ask ourselves the question, how will my life be remembered? What will people remember about me in the way that I live my life? And we're all gonna come to this point. And the fact is, it's just gonna be at different ages where we're gonna realize that our life isn't about the accumulation of stuff, it's about the culmination of memories, right? I mean, think about that for your own life right now, no matter what age you are. Right now, just think back and think about what that means for your life right now and the things that you're most proud of and the memories that you've made and, and some of the, the things um, of our life. Uh, <laughs> the last three weeks, it's been cleanup week, right? How many of you have been going through your stuff? And you're like, what? Why did I even buy this in the first place? And you're thinking, think about how much that cost you when you bought it when it was brand new and now it's just sitting on your curb waiting for the city to come pick it up, <laughs> right? I'm really good. I'm really good at being sentimental. So it is hard for me <laughs> to let go of stuff. So I know what that feels like. I just heard another story of a family who's in retirement who here's what it actually looks like that ties into this idea. Literally this last week, they moved from a townhome, downsized into an apartment, couldn't wait for the estate sale to get rid of all their stuff <laughs> so that they don't have to bring any more stuff along with them. They can just enjoy their life. They can just enjoy their life with the people that are around them. If you're a follower of Christ today, we need to remember that our life on earth is not the end. Our life here on earth is not the end. It's not about what we collect and what we gather and what we get for ourselves. This is not the end. We have a whole life in eternity. That's forever. That is way longer than this moment that we have here on earth. But see, if you're a follower of Christ today, if you've made a decision to follow Christ today, do you know what our purpose is? Like God, Jesus has already told us our purpose while we're here on earth is to love God, love people, and to go and make disciples, to be an example of him. That's what he's asking us to do while we live here on earth is to have a godly purpose to our life. It's about what we do with what we've been given. And so the question becomes, what will you do now with what you've been given? Like, let's not wait right? Let's not wait. And if you're in that season of life where you're 60, 70, 80, it's not too late to sell all your stuff <laughs> and to just gather people and have dinner with the people that you care about most. Let's decide right now, what are we going to do with what we've been blessed with, with what we've been given? Here's an interesting fact is that if you have over $4,000 to your name, if you have over $4,000 to your name, you are among the top 50 of wealthiest people in the world. And despite that, a vast majority of us live in the top 50% of the world's wealth. Only 7% of people in the local church supports 100% of the church financially. I'm gonna say that one more time. Only 7% of people in the local church supports 100% of the church financially. If we have 500 people seated in this auditorium, that means 35 people 
I'm just using that to like open our eyes a little bit to the reality. And I want you to be, I want you to know, and I'm going down this road today. So welcome, so glad you're here. Here we go. <laughs> it's gonna be kind of like a kick and a hug. It's gonna be both, okay? Jesus is with us. You ready? Here we go. <laughs> I want you to know that that 7% that supports 100%, that's in the US. That's a recent statistic. I want you to know that is not a financial issue. That is not a financial issue, it's a spiritual issue. It is a spiritual issue. And the result of us not talking about it in church, do you wanna know what the result is of us just avoiding this conversation? The result in the church leaks anywhere from having awful money habits that damages relationships, that damages families, that damages even the generational faith that God wants for your family, for your home, it also leads to us approaching all spiritual issues with immaturity. If we don't have to follow God in this area, then why should we follow him in the other area? It leads to a lukewarm faith. It leads to us saying like, hey, I'm not gonna do this, so I probably don't have to do that either. Like God commanded it, but I don't have to follow this command either. It's this like pick and choose. It's like a buffet kind of faith. And then it, it leads us to a place where we're just controlling our life and we're really not being led by Jesus. And do you know how stressful that is? Do you know how much that means we have to control? Do you know how much uh, we lack peace when we live our life that way? And I just want you to know that I believe through Stand, and I believe specifically in the next several years of our church and on, as long as I get to serve in this role, I believe that we're gonna be different. Let's be different. Let's be different. Let's change the stats, right? Let's increase that 7%. Let's be a church that's different. And as we stand for the people of our community, I will stand to choose health. I will stand for your heart. I will stand for your faith. I will challenge you in this area. I will stand for your health and your relationship with God and your trust with him and your relationships in your home. And as I do, you might be asking yourself a very fair question. Why should I prioritize financial giving to the local church? Why should I do that? And I'm gonna walk us through a couple of reasons why I believe we should do that. And I want this to be a no, no excuse zone. Many of us, our community in, in a general sense is extremely generous, extremely generous. We see it on Giving Hearts Day, we see it multiple times, and I, I wanna talk about today, though, why you and I should prioritize our giving to the local church. Because God commanded us to give and prioritize the local church, even over nonprofits. And I'm not saying giving to nonprofits isn't a good thing, it's a great thing. But you can't, say, hey, well, I'm giving everywhere else. I mean, you can, and that is a generous thing to do. But why does God invite us to prioritize our giving to the local church? It's a really great question, and obviously it's not a new question. It's not a new thought. It's something millions of people have struggled with, obviously, and still do. The number one reason is to grow in spiritual maturity. That's the number one reason why you and I should prioritize financial giving in the local church. Some of you have been thinking, I don't have much to give. 
And maybe right now it's difficult to make ends meet every single week. Or maybe there's others of you that you're not living paycheck to paycheck and, and you live comfortably. Well, I want, I want to share a story that I believe is going to meet each and every one of us exactly where we're at. And I think if we process it a little bit, we can find ourselves in both scenarios in different moments of our life. It's a story that comes from the Gospel of Mark. It's in Mark 12, 41 through 44. And it says this, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling, to his, calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I just imagine, like, can you imagine sitting there with him? And Jesus is like, come on, come on, come on. Come on, everybody, get close. Come here. He's like teaching his closest followers. So think about those moments where you're with your kids or you're with your students if you're a teacher, and you're like, come on, I want you to see this. It's like faith in action, and I want you to see this. And Jesus is calling to his disciples, and he says, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. I want to explain this story. This, this widow gave all she had to live on. And in contrast to the way most people handle their money, and here's what I want us to be careful of. If you're a follower of Jesus, when you and I, if we get in a, a regular rhythm, sometimes we can get a little comfortable, right? I, it, I've been there. And when we consider giving a, per, a certain percentage of our income a great accomplishment, like a pat on the back, we resemble those who gave out of their wealth. But here, Jesus was admiring generosity, and he was admiring sacrificial giving. See, as followers of Jesus, we should consider what it looks like to sacrificially give in our lives. And why was this idea so important to Jesus? of sacrificially giving. It's because it's what he did. He sacrificially gave his life so that we could have life. He sacrificially gave it all. He modeled for us what it meant to lay down our life, to give everything we have so that more people could know who he was and could spend eternity with him in heaven. And so any moment that he got as he walked on this earth, he said, come on, come here. Hey, look at this. I want you to see this example. I just want you to recognize the faith of this woman in this moment. See, God doesn't want your leftovers. And I've been in these seasons. I'm gonna share my story in just a moment. He doesn't want what's left over at the end of the month. He wants to continually remind us that when we invite him into the center of our life, that we can trust him, that we can trust him to be our provider, that we can trust him that he's gonna take care of us. Even in the area of finances, he will and he can. That's the kind of God that he is. See, he wants all of you. He wants your whole heart. He wants every bit of you. And he wants to just prove to you, really, that he loves you so much that he's here to care for you. 
Because let's be honest, God does not need your money. He doesn't want your money and he doesn't need it. And I'll say the same, like, I don't want your money. And we'll figure out, I could get real creative. I could figure out how to, we could, our team could figure out how to fund what's going on around here. I don't want your money. I do want you to grow with God. I want you to grow in your trust with God. And here's the thing. How do you think Jesus teaches people how to do this? It's like he told the disciples. He's like, come on, look at this. And he shared a story. The way that he teaches you and I today is we step in to practice it. Like we have to practice giving. We have to practice sacrificially giving to see if we can trust him. It's the only area in the Bible where God says, test me. The area of our finances Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. See, we often forget it's not our money to begin with. It's not ours, it's his. And so the question is, what are you gonna do with what you've been given? Because it's, as a follower of Jesus, if you haven't made the commitment to follow Jesus yet, uh, spend a ton of time on that one decision, on whether or not you want to follow Jesus. But if you are a follower of Jesus today, the money that you've been given, it ain't yours anyway. God's trusted you to manage it. God's trusted you to be the steward of it. See, the world that we live in says money is mine. But what God's just been trying to show us, and he's trying to teach us, and he's so kind and he's so patient, is that it's his it's his, and maybe some of you, uh, you've been following Jesus a while now, and you've heard all this. You've heard the story of, of the sacrificial giving of the woman. You've heard that I can't serve two masters, both God and money, yet you still struggle over and over. I'm, I'm talking specifically to people. You've been following Jesus for a long time, and this is an area that you just have not stepped into for whatever reason. And so none of this information, none of this scripture is brand new to you. You've heard it multiple times. I want to challenge you. This is the kick. There's a hug coming, okay? Luke 8, 14. <laughs> the seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures. They're choked by stuff. They're choked by fancy things. They're choked by extra we all have been there. I have been there. And they do not mature. And my question for you today is, do you want to keep living your spiritual life like a baby, like a toddler, like a preschooler, or are you ready to match your age with your spiritual maturity? It's time. Here's the hug. Like, it's time. I want more for you. I want you to be released I don't want you to fear all the time. Can you pay all the stuff that you've bought? Can you pay all the bills and, and just be stressed out about all the things? Even when it doesn't add up on a spreadsheet, when we trust God in the area of finances, there's a peace that comes with us that is unexplainable because it comes from God and we can't produce it on our own. And the results of our faith and the results of our trust is God meets us right in that. And he guides us and he leads us. And so why should you prioritize financial giving to the local church? Number one, spiritual maturity. Number two, I want us to learn that the benefits outweigh the risk. When I first started coming to Prairie Heights, 
Uh, we used to pass baskets, remember way back in the day, like way back in the day, those baskets or buckets. <laughs> uh, we used to pass those, and literally when I first started coming, I, I did not even think anything of it. I just kept passing. I didn't even, like, I didn't, didn't even register in my mind, like, I should maybe participate in this, or I should maybe engage in this. I just kept passing the bus, bucket. And then as I grew spiritually, and as I said yes to a relationship with Jesus, I remember I would just toss like a $5 in or $20 in. And honestly, as I look back on my journey, like those were my leftovers because it's whatever I had that day. Whatever I had, I just dropped it in the bucket, basket as it came by. And then when Kyle and I got married, we got really intentional and, and we gave our first 10% of our finances and still do. Um, and that's an area that when we got married, we were just in line with uh, thank God. Now, were we in line with how to manage our finances? No, that's a different story. <laughs> we had to learn that one, and we learned it real quick. Also, thank you, Jesus. Uh, I can't go on that tangent. We don't have enough time. Okay, so, um, but we got intentional about our giving. Then I got to tell you, uh, through the years of that, God began to, like, grow our hearts in this sacrificial giving. And if I was to look back, 10% uh, is a guideline, but I can't tell you how many years we stayed within that because God would invite us to give more and sacrificially. And, and I'm not sharing that story to say, hey, look at us, we have it all figured out, because we don't. I'm telling that story because as we went through that process, we had to address really hard things in our individual relationship with money. We had to address really hard things in our marriage. We had to have hard conversations, and we had to decide some things together in our faith. I also share that story because I think it's really important and I think it's really fair and I believe it's my responsibility to share with you that as the lead pastor at Prairie Heights, that me and my husband are walking what I'm talking. That I'm not asking you to do anything that we haven't already done and that we haven't already done more than once because it would be so hard for me to be this passionate about it if God didn't do it in my heart first and in our heart hearts first, in our family first. Do we still struggle with it some days? Yes, we do, because we want to hang on to control. But God has shown us over and over again when we release that control, what he does in our hearts and how he gives us peace. As we have prayed and processed, Kyle and I, about our commitment to stand We've been through a process like this of sacrificial giving, of expanded giving beyond our 10%. And for us, as we began to process that, um, we prayed about that. And, and I was driving a few times, and I had this fleeting thought that kept going through my mind. And at first, I was like, oh, are you sure, God? And then as it kept coming, I was like, okay, I think God's clarified for me what I believe our commitment to stand will be. And I went home one day and I said, hey, Kyle, I believe God's clarified what our commitment to stand is going to be. And, um, and I looked at him and I just said, I believe God's asking us to give a year's worth of my salary towards stand. And I said, what do you think? And he's like, all right. And I got to tell you, the hardest part for us was finding clarity from God. The easiest part for us is once we found the clarity and once I knew it was from God, and once him and I had unity, it was like, all right. Now the rest is easy. We just got to follow through. Now, I'm not saying the follow through is going to be easy. Our spreadsheet and our budgets are going to look different. 
over the next couple of years, but that's okay. Because Kyle and I have been through the road of what it looks like to sacrificially give in the short term so we can leave a legacy of generosity for the long term. And we care more about the long term than the short term. And I'm telling you, we're not doing anything that, I'm not asking you to do anything that we're not already doing. I want God to unleash some things in your life. I want, I want you to stop controlling. I want him to give you peace. And what Kyle and I have found, and maybe you will too as you engage with Stand, is that sacrificially giving has benefited us by giving us more purpose, by letting us know that we're part of a community, that we're not isolated in this life by ourselves, that through our giving, we get to be part of something that's gonna change people's lives forever. That's the other thing. When you give to the local church, you're investing in people's eternity. You're investing in people spending the rest of their life after this earth with Jesus. What better legacy of generational faith than that? And Kyle and I get so excited about being part of that. And the more that we do it, and this is our story, and God is so patient. So if you aren't there and you're looking at me like you're crazy, that'll never happen to me, I'm telling you, God is patient and he's gonna meet you where you're at. He met me where I was at in this journey and the more that we do it, the more cheerful we have become. I am very cheerful about our giving commitment and I can tell you honestly, that hasn't always been the case. I haven't always been cheerful about this. And right now in this season of stand, God is growing my heart of generosity in overflow that I honestly, I can't wait to give. I can't wait to be a part of this. I can't wait to see how God's gonna show up for us personally because we're standing on the faithfulness of God showing up when it didn't add up in a spreadsheet before and God showed up and he's given us stories to tell of his faithfulness, not of ours, but of his. And I want that for you. The verse I shared last week, 2 Corinthians 9, 7, it says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. I mean that. The scripture, Paul meant that. Decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Kyle and I are so thankful that God's been patient with us on this journey. And we're gonna tell you our story over and over again in different ways in this area specifically. We believe and we've lived it that the benefits of prioritizing our financial giving to the local church outweigh the risks for us. The benefits vastly outweigh the risk. I believe when you and I, when we prioritize our financial giving to the local church, we'll grow in spiritual maturity We'll grow our roots in Jesus. We'll grow our faith because it requires trust. And we'll learn that the benefits outweigh the risks. And when we do that together, when you and I gather all our resources to stand for future generations, do you want to know what? The benefit is that you will know your financial giving is going towards something that matters. That it matters that we connect with the future generations, that your giving will long outlast your life and it won't be about stuff, it'll be about people. What does it look like to stand for future generations? What does it look like to believe in them right now? Here's what it looks like. I wanna unpack that for just a couple 
moments. We'll focus on supporting our future generations in knowing their identity in Christ, knowing that they belong, helping them understand their gifts and their talents that can be used in this world so that they can have confidence in who God's made them to be and we can help them pursue the purposes that God has for them. We live in a community right now that has over 60,000 students in kindergarten through 12th grade, plus our colleges, 60,000 students. That's an incredible opportunity that we have to tap into. So when you choose to engage and stand financially, here's part of where some of that money will go towards in future generations. We're gonna develop and implement an internship and residency program. We are so excited about that to give uh, students and young adults the opportunity to use their gifts. Like if you wanna be in TV, our production stuff is all top notch. That's about as far as I can go because I don't know any of the other techie language. <laughs> Sorry, but we got people here who do. <laughs> if you wanna be a teacher or anything in education, we've got curriculum for birth through fifth grade. If you wanna really impact middle and high school students, We've got opportunity for them to learn how to do that. We've got opportunities in accounting and finance and marketing and advertising. And what would it look like if we helped young adults know their identity in Christ and be in a learning environment with whether they stay at Prairie Heights or they get sent out into other companies and organizations in our city or beyond. What an incredible opportunity we have as a local church to lift up the future generations. We're gonna expand our resources internally for KidVenture Oxygen and young adult programming, college programming. Our family ministers team, they just got back from a conference called Orange and they came back so excited. It was in Atlanta, Georgia. And one of the things though that is heartbreaking is the current statistics of our students, which is not gonna surprise any of us. And this is nationwide, listen to this. 9.2% of youth have severe major depression. Suicide is up 76% in ages 15 to 19, 76%. And then suicide rates are increasing in ages five to 12 in black youth. And I know today that some of you are sitting here today and I want you to know that we want to be a church family that surrounds you with prayer and love. We know that some of your families are struggling with this. And so as parents or as teens, I want you to know this is a place where you can be real about what's going on in your home. Would we be a place that we can talk about it and we can pray for each other and provide resources as we can? It's depressing and heartbreaking and it feels kind of hopeless, right, to hear those statistics. But here's what I want you to know, there's hope. And our team shared that there's a book called Seen and the author of this book was the presenters of this, conf of this session of the conference, uh, Will Hutcherson and Chinwi Williams. And here they share the hope. They said, God has wired our brains in such a way that when we feel seen, oxytocin actually floods the brain and that means that connection can actually heal anxiety and depression. That if you and I get on a child's level for 30 seconds, that can heal anxiety and depression. That connection, undistracted, 
Can we all spend a little more time looking at kids in the eye for 30 seconds so that they can feel more hope and feel more connected versus feeling more anxious and depressed in a world that is so chaotic? I think we can. And our team is excited about finding out more ways that we can do that. And I gotta share with you some exciting news that our Kid Venture team, pre-K through fifth grade, and our middle and high school students, when it comes to our STAND initiative and our STAND vision, they went first. They already committed. They already invested in STAND. They gave first. I want you to go ahead and take a look. The hardest question, I'm gonna start with you, is tell me your first and last name. That's the hardest one? Mm -hmm. Okay, Marnie Pinks. My name is Drew Erickson, and uh, I lead student ministries here at Prairie Heights. Watching kids um, come in these rooms, we have children from all backgrounds. We have kids that are coming with their grandparents, or uh, they slept over at a friend's house. Maybe their, their families don't come to church. Kids from, from all walk of life, and they come in here and get to know a little bit about Jesus. and. Um, it's just a really beautiful thing, watching kids walk into church and want to come in so bad. I think they want to come sometimes more than the parents, and then that means that those kids are leading their parents to Jesus without us even knowing. It's really great to get a message from a parent saying that the kids recited our uh, big idea for the day when they got home or they were excited or saying a song that they learned in KidVenture. Um, so we know that sometimes even with these little kids uh, that are one, two years old, three years old and up, uh, if they're at home singing the songs they're learning here, like they're listening, they are our future. The thing that gets me is watching these, these students go from, I have no idea who Jesus is and what's the Bible? to asking questions like, what does this mean? We threw a party for Stan for our students being able to uh, kick it off for our church, uh, for them being able to give. And there's a party going, up on, up, going on up in the loft. And there's lights going crazy, there's pizza, there's all these things. And I go up there and our junior and senior guys and girls are sitting around a table having a prayer circle. That wasn't in the plan. Um, but these students, all they wanted to do was be together and, and grow in their faith together. Just to see those students at that age know exactly, exactly what they value. I want my grandma to know Jesus. I hope my son Dominic will know Jesus. I want Colin to know Jesus. I want my friend Gammy to know Jesus. I want my teacher to know Jesus. These are your kids. These are your kids who are praying for their teachers, who are praying for their friends to know Jesus, who are praying for their grandpas and their grandmas. And isn't it special that we can just come alongside their faith and we can lift them up 
and we can encourage them, we can help them be seen and feel connected, and we need to do more of that. Over the last three weeks, and we know that there's more coming in, but there were 65 blue piggy bank houses that kids, pre-K through fifth grade, handed in. And on the back of that sticker, you saw their name of someone they wanted to know Jesus along with their stand commitment. And then our students, our middle school and high school students, there were 69 out of 75 that made a commitment to either sell and give their stuff or to give from their summer job so they could stand for transformed community. Yeah, 92%. They went first. They went first, church family. And I want you to go ahead and take a look at the map over there, our stand map of Cass and Clay County. That is Cass and Clay County. And you'll notice there's pins and tags on there. And all the blue tags represent our middle and high school students. The orange tags represent our kids. Those are all the names that they are praying that that person knows Jesus and that's the area that they live in our city. And there's a, a small group of leaders here at Prairie Heights that have white tags that went first as we rolled out stand behind the scenes to our leaders who have said yes first, thank you. And each and every one of those pins has a name. And next week when you and I come and when we gather on May 15th and we are gonna have such a special moment with our Commitment Sunday. We're gonna hand in our commitment card and as we do that, you're gonna have a chance to write a name or write two names on a tag and you're gonna put it on that map of Cass and Clay County. And if you're praying for someone outside our city, of course, put it on the, on the uh, outside of that map. But I want us to know why are we doing this? Why are we doing stand? It's so that one more person can connect their life with Jesus. And we got a bunch of names that we're praying over. And I believe that God is gonna do that. God's gonna answer our prayers for the people in our life that we want them to connect their life to Jesus. Um, last week, uh, just this last week, I heard a mom, she shared a story with me while I was at the gym. I'm never at the gym but I'm telling you every time I am, I'm gonna tell you about it. This just so happened, that's where I was when she told me the story. <laughs> and she said, my 17-year-old left church last Sunday and she started processing with me how she's gonna give to Stan through her summer job. What, are you kidding me? Our future generations don't need us to tell them what to do, okay? Our future generations just need us to come alongside who God's already made them to be and help them feel like they matter. And like whatever they can give with what they've been given matters. That's our part, okay? And I believe it's our responsibility as they go first and lead us is to follow and say, we're gonna stand for you. And so as you process this week, your stand commitment, I just wanna walk through this real quick. If you've never given to Prairie Heights, the first box is you. If you give sporadically, the first box is also for you. Think about an amount, be intentional. Some of you might be thinking, well, I don't know what amount. God hasn't given me an amount. A guideline is pick a percentage. Maybe it's 5%, maybe it's 
What is God asking you to do that might help you make a decision there? If you're already giving regularly, then the second box is expanded giving. The first two boxes are a one-year commitment. What would you give in a year? What would you give expanded in a year? You add those together, you multiply it times two to get your, your total stand commitment. You can come next Sunday with this completed or there will be cards on the table. You're gonna have an opportunity online as well to engage. Either way is fine. Uh, we're gonna have an entire service. We're gonna worship with music as we participate together. I'll walk you through it all, but I just wanna be clear. And here's what I wanna close with before we close with the final song. When we sacrificially give, do you wanna know what happens when you and I sacrificially give? We just look like Jesus to the world. And when you and I choose to sacrificially give right here at Prairie Heights, do you know what that means? That just means that we look like Jesus to the people of our community. It just means we're acting like Jesus, we're walking like Jesus, we're talking and living like Jesus. And I want you to know that your risk, and I get it, let's be honest, your risk is, do you trust me? Do you trust our staff? Do you trust our Prairie Heights board to steward the money that you're gonna give? That we would steward it well, that is the risk that you would be taking and giving. Our investment, your investment, your return on investment, do you wanna know what that is? You're just looking a whole lot like Jesus. You're just living a whole lot like Jesus. That's what I want for our church. That's what I want for you and your heart. I want control and freedom in this area of your life that you could trust Jesus more. Let me pray. God, thank you for this day and this time. Thank you that you are the leader of our life. Thank you we have this opportunity, God, to sit with you, to be met by you, to hear from you, God, and to take a challenging step forward. I believe our church will never be the same because of what you're doing in our midst in this season. And it's not any one of us that could produce any of these results. God, this is all you. So do what you would like to do, God, and we will follow. The results are up to you. We're just gonna do our part. And so we love you, God, and we thank you for who you are. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. A special thanks to those of you who give generously to Prairie Heights. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description to give now or visit prairieheights.com give for more information. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, or even take a screenshot and share it on your social media and tag us at Prairie Heights. Thanks for listening and God bless.